0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: Have those conversations with your kids. If you really think they're coming back to the farm, ask them. Are you coming back? What's your what's your plan?
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mike Pearson, co-host of today's edition of the Ag News Daily podcast, joined by Ms. Delaney Howell, who is currently traveling. She is in beautiful upstate New York, a great place to be on February 5th. Delaney, how you doing out there?
2: I'm doing pretty good. You know what? Actually, the weather here is pretty favorable, especially for the middle of February, beginning of February, I should say, but really
0: what kind of temps are you talking up there?
2: I mean, it's like 35, 40, but it's not snowy. It's not icy. It's not really particularly cold. So I consider it a win.
0: There you go. Hey, you can't go wrong with that.
2: Absolutely. So yeah, I was at the Northeast Agriculture and Feed Alliance annual Meeting so learned a lot about northeastern agriculture, specifically the dairy industry.
0: Yeah, so bring us up to speed. We've talked a lot about the dairy industry in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. in Michigan, and Iowa and Minnesota. That is a sector of industry that has been absolutely battered. I've heard similar stories out of uh, out of New York, basically any place that touches Canada since they added their uh, Class Seven milk uh, thing. What's what are you hearing on the ground up there, Delaney?
2: So I think there's some mixed sentiment across the dairy industry. So we do have, like you said, the Michigan. The wisconsin areas that are definitely drastically seeing a drop in dairy farms but then compared to new york year over year new york is actually doing pretty favorably all things considered with the economic outlook for the dairy industry and one of those reasons is because of a program called new york York farm net which actually grabbed an interview with one of their outreach directors kate downs and i'll play that here in just a little bit but they have programs in place to help dairy farmers so that if they're faced with a challenge if they have a decision to make they don't always just resort to filing chapter 12 bankruptcy i was talking to one of the gentlemen with that company today he said you know a lot of other other states don't have companies like that and so dairy producers don't feel like there's another choice that it's file chapter 12 or continue suffering financially and so interestingly enough here in new york it seems like they've got some programs put in place to help that so there's other choices to be made.
0: That is interesting. I'm looking forward to that interview because it does sound like it's a nice uh, escape hatch for folks looking for a different uh, way to kind of get out of the mud when it comes to looking at chapter 12 or situation or staying in business.
2: And just helping with your mental and physical health as well. I mean, there's so much stress on dairy producers. We also talked about, Rural suicide, which is kind of a taboo topic to talk about in agriculture, but one that definitely needs to be addressed a little bit more. So, a lot of good stuff coming up.
0: All right. Well, stay tuned, listeners. I've got a couple of pieces of news. All in all, it's a fairly slow news day. Um, But we did get the report from Creighton University. They released their Rural Main Street Index. They released this monthly. And in January... Climbed to its highest level since June 2018. A fifth month in a row that the uh, the overall sentiment on Main Street has climbed. And they do this survey, Creighton does this by polling bank CEOs. So they're looking at a 10 state region and they're getting out there talking to large banks, a lot of community banks, folks who are embedded in the community, and getting their thought. Okay, how are businesses looking? What are you seeing on your portfolio? And they're getting more. So it, it is nice to see. Some of the the boom in the equity markets and the home prices trickling down to Main Street here in rural America, Delaney.
2: Yeah, but there were some mixed reviews on that report, Mike, as regards to e- expansion on farms. Interviewed just two years ago, we saw about 28% of farmers saying, no, they don't plan to expand now in 2020. We're seeing about 44% of farmers say they have no plans to expand, largely due to the economic situation and trade fears continuing with China, especially after yesterday Larry Kudlow's comment that this coronavirus thing could perhaps delay us at least six months from seeing China really come to the buying table, as mentioned.
0: Yes, that Cudlow piece was my next bit, of news. I'm glad you discussed it yesterday, Delaney, because that is, uh, you know, that's, that's a concern. China's going to use this as leverage when it comes time to make their purchases. They're, they're going to use this as their escape hatch when it comes to writing those checks.
2: Yeah, and I was talking to some folks about that today. It's just oh so convenient that once we have a trade deal in place, we see some other piece of We'll call it black swan news that suddenly delays China's purchases even further. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Mike, but I mean, that's a little conspiracy, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't think it's convenient for the people that have died from coronavirus. No, I think they would true. say this is a rather inconvenient
2: timing. Absolutely. Very inconvenient timing. You're right. But it's just frustrating. Not surprising, but yeah. very frustrating.
0: Right. That That's the challenge is, you know, we were hoping to get a win by all indications it looked like we put this trade war on hold maybe not a win but at least truce a push back or dispute before and now you know shoot we're sliding backwards yet again but not only that we have competitors of course around the world and brazil continues to grow its corn acreage. In fact, in Brazil, they are seeing acreage expand for corn plantings. Mato Grosso, one of the key growing regions for corn and soybeans down in Brazil, uh, reports that they are seeing acreage planted to corn rise 5% because of the higher demand. Um, in that province, planted acreage is expected to hit 5.1 million, I believe it's hectares, and uh, they think that... Um, This could be some of the biggest plantings for corn in quite a few years. I believe the number quoted was uh, 2013, but it might be the biggest on record there in that province. So we've got the South Americans continuing to chomp at our heels as they have enjoyed really unprecedented access to the market Mm -hmm. in China over the past 13 months. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I mean, I don't think anybody's going to win if China doesn't come to the buying table with the coronavirus thing, including Brazil.
0: Well, you know, but they still need to feed the rest of their population. So if if Brazil is cheaper, and with the turmoil in Brazil and Argentina, the real and peso have been much cheaper than the U.S. dollar, and so that's where China's been spending its money. It's, uh, you know, unrest always, well, typically breeds a lower uh, currency price, and that opens up the door for exporters to move in and take care of some business.
2: Definitely, but uh, looking at we are just talking a little bit ago about wins for agriculture or lack of wins. Well, we've seen a lack of winner in the Iowa caucuses. Mike talked about this a little bit yesterday, but when I recorded the podcast yesterday, we really still didn't have any preliminary results. As of today, we still don't really have any final conclusions because so much of the polling process went wrong with a functionality of the polling app that they were using for the caucuses people not knowing how to use it not having it downloaded correctly etc but we do have kind of some preliminary results as of now about 65 percent roughly of Iowa caucuses have been determined with the leader coming in at about 27 percent led by Mayor Pete Buttigieg followed by Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren and joe biden coming in fourth iowa continues to be the front runner the state that everybody tries to caucus for first but because of all of this debacle with counting and whatnot it a lot of folks are, are putting pressure i don't know who they're putting pressure on but are saying demanding that Iowa be removed as the first initial caucus state which could really hurt agriculture because so many of those candidates take a stance on ethanol, renewable fuels, and agriculture as part of their policy rollouts when they're caucusing and campaigning. And if Iowa is not the first state they visit, not one of the ones that are counted as most important in that process, we could see those candidates step back from using agriculture as part of their main campaign running pieces. Yes.
0: I think you're exactly right, Delaney. That is the... the, uh... A headline fact about the caucuses leaving Iowa. Iowa, as you mentioned, we were the only state that had a large ag base, a large ag manufacturing base, a large ag service base that uh, was able to get words in to presidential candidates. And if we end up losing that first in the nation, you really all of agriculture loses its ability to have a first in the nation. And it sounds like the Democrats are really seeing that pressure. But if they go, the Republicans will go as well, and we will be uh, you know, running with the rest of the pack, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, so a little piece of unfortunate news there. Hopefully that doesn't happen, and I don't know exactly what the process would be like to see that happen, but
0: yeah, i don't do know do digging.
2: Yeah, I'm going to do some digging.
0: Perfect. Well, speaking of digging, it's what you do in the ground, Delaney, and that is my awkward segue to a story from Farmers National. They have just published their report looking ahead to 2020 when it comes to farmland values and... They say that sales are starting to pick up on farms across the country. The first six months were as slow as they've ever been, according to to some of the salespeople, but it is starting to grow. And uh, they're seeing prices continue to vary wildly, with exceptional ground still bringing top dollar. They talk about an auction that uh, happened just recently. And it was $13,000 an acre. So that's not too far off the highs from 2012, 13, 13, 14, anyway. So we're seeing this thing move ahead. And uh, they don't expect to see a huge break in cash rents going forward. They don't expect to see a huge break in land prices going forward. Because at the end of the day, we produce a heck of a lot of food for a heck of a lot of people very efficiently. And none of these other countries can do
2: that. Absolutely. And to uh, follow up with that, too, For 2000 until 2020, we saw net cash farm income do a roller coaster ride, if you will. But net cash farm income is forecasted to drop 9% in 2020, Mike, possibly because of stable land values and other trade and tariff impacts and whatnot. But that's just according to the USDA's latest forecast. You can argue how accurate you think that is, but that's another piece of news in the pipeline today.
0: Well, Delaney, that does it. I'm all out of news. Should We move over and take a look at what the markets did today. What do you say?
2: Let's do that. And just as a precursor, we're cutting a little early today, so the markets haven't quite adjusted yet for prices. But, Mike, I know you watch them pretty closely now. Tell us what they've been doing overall during today's trading session.
0: You bet. So as we head into the close, listeners, remember that we've got mixed trade in the grains. Um, It's been a volatile day. We saw a lot of excitement in the overnights that quickly fell away as the day session got started. As things stand today, remember we're not quite closed yet, but we will be in about uh, seven minutes. The March 2020 corn contract is down one and a quarter cents at 381 even. The May down a penny at 387 even. Over in soybeans, they have bounced back to the upside. The March contract up 880 and three quarters excuse me, up one and a quarter to close or to Trade right now at 8.80 and three quarters. The May up eight, jeez, up one and a half, trading at 8.94 and a half. In wheat, again, a lot of volatility today. It was following corn, and then it kind of tried to pull corn higher as we went into the later part of the session. The March contract was up three and a half cents at 5.60 and three quarters. The May up three and a quarter, excuse me, three and a half as well. To finish at 5.58, even hopefully finish. Remember, we haven't closed yet. I apologize. Looking over at the world of livestock, we've got weakness pretty well all down the screen. This has been in place all day today. April live cattle down currently a dollar sixty-five at one nineteen even. The June down a dollar seventeen half, finishing or trading right now at one ten fifty-seven fifty. In feeder cattle, the March down a dollar eighty-seven fifty at one thirty-five sixty-two half. The April down a dollar seventy-two half to close or to trade presently at one thirty-seven two. Lean hogs, same story. April down forty seven half, trading at sixty one eighty five, and the May down sixty cents, currently trading at seventy thirty. Can't forget about our friends over in the dairy industry, especially now that Delaney is getting to know more and more of them up there in the Northeast. Class three milk today is lower. The February contract down fourteen cents on the day, at uh, currently trading at sixteen eighty nine. The March down a quarter, twenty five cents, at seventeen oh five. And Delaney, that does it. Let's kick it off to your interview. They're from Albany, New York.
2: I am catching up with Kate Downs, who is the Outreach Director for New York FarmNet. And Kate, you talk about a lot of important subjects in agriculture, not necessarily fun subjects, though. Tell us first, before we get into some of those nitty gritty subjects, tell us a little bit more about New York FarmNet and what role you guys play. Sure. So New York FarmNet is a really incredible
1: organization that's been around since the 1980s farm crisis. And we provide free and confidential on-farm support for any farmer in New York State. Um, we, we have financial consultants who can provide that business analysis, that business planning, and then we also have family consultants who are trained social workers or family counselors to help families deal with difficult conversations because working with family on a farm is not easy. And so we help them have those conversations right at their kitchen table or in the
2: barn. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of conversations that don't happen that maybe need to happen <laughs> on the farm more often than not. Kate, also I wanted to ask a little bit about more about your background and how you sure. got into this role. Sure. So I studied agricultural business
1: at SUNY Cobleskill. Um, my family had a small dairy farm. My dad was a high school ag educator for 35 years. So we had, you know, I always was surrounded by agriculture, especially dairy farming. And then we lost my uncle to suicide after he sold the farm, And that really sort of launched my career in this trajectory. You know, I'd always studied agriculture, and, you know, I realized after my uncle died that this was a really important area that I didn't think anybody was talking about. And then I found New York FarmNet, and they are doing this work. They're helping farmers. They're having those conversations that need to happen on and around the farm, and it just it was a match
2: that's really neat too that you had a personal connection to it I I mean I think to do that type of work you'd really have to have a personal connection just because you're dealing with a lot of sticky situations yeah yeah.
1: and I you know I started out in FarmNet as I was the main person answering the phone and that was four years ago Um, and so I got to have a lot of conversations with a lot of farmers and You know it's pretty incredible by the time they reach out and reach out for help you know they're they're at the end of their rope they're they're just so distraught they don't know how to move on and you know I might be on the phone with that farmer for 45 minutes and they're in tears and I'm just a random voice at the end of the phone but it gives them a chance to again air their grievances and just kind of talk through things but it also allows them to be seen and heard and know that there's someone there who cares about them, who wants them alive and wants their farm to keep farming. You know, we the fact that we can provide this service to farmers is really amazing because there's not really any other program just like ours in the US. And I think, you know, I really give New York State a lot of credit for supporting our program because you know, farmers are hurting and, you know, it's never gone away. You know, people knew about the 1980s and, you know, then things got better and then they got worse. But this, you know, long scrape that we've had in the dairy industry really has really done a number on a lot of people. So the fact that we can help them at this point is really huge.
2: Yeah, the, the dairy industry is definitely the one that's had maybe some of the more tumultuous past events, but before they get to that point of maybe tossing in the towel, not to take it too lightly, but just the, the management of stress, sure. what... So farmers are a very resilient bunch, as you know. They're so resilient. And, and they're not ones to talk about their problems yes, right. and manage maybe stress the best way. And right. mental health is still a little bit of a taboo, I would say, within the ag community. How do you go about talking to those folks with all of those factors considered?
1: So I usually start talking to them about something else. <laughs> um, because it's just easier for them to ask for help related to... You know, financing a tractor or something like that. You're something that benefits the farm. And then, you know, I will work in the stress management, their own stress management, their personal well being. And, you know, our family consultants are really the magic workers and our financial consultants too. They're really a great team. And they can help bring that farmer, you know, help ground them in a way. It might be taking five breaths before they get on the tractor in the morning. You know, that's not anything fancy we all breathe we all have to breathe Um, but it can be really simple things like that or just going for a walk around the farm just Mm -hmm. check out that field just walk it instead of driving the tractor there's a lot of things farmers can do that are really really simple that they probably already do they just might not think about Mm -hmm. it so just you know there's a lot of things that you can do to help yourself before it gets really really bad
2: yeah, and and we hope that it doesn't get to that point for farmers and sure. that they reach out to trusted friends or advisors before that. But once they're at that point when and suicide is just such a serious topic. You look at agriculture, we've got one of the highest suicide okay. rates. Why do you think there continues to be this taboo around talking about suicide within agriculture?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with there's just a deep stigma, you know, societally, there's it's not easy to talk about and only just now are people sort of comfortable with talking about it and talking about Mm -hmm. mental health, uh, let alone some of the more deeper issues like suicide. Um, I also think because of that, people don't have the language to use to talk about it in a way that feels sort of comfortable. And a lot of the work I do is bringing that language to the farmers, to the agri-service providers that work with them and just enabling them to have these conversations. I think it's so, so important you know and it, it, you can't sweep it under the rug it's it, it's everywhere you know we've had one county in western New York this year they lost five farmers in six months and you know they weren't all dairy farmers but the stress was there and they just felt so alone that that's what happened um, so we just we just need to have the keep having these conversations normalizing it everybody everybody should have someone to talk to um, you know and talk is not for everyone but if it does work for you that's great sometimes medications need to happen too and that's also okay I think we just need to be it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to reach out for help um, nobody expects anybody to be perfect all of the time um, and I think just accepting that this is something that can happen to people is just one of those things that we're learning
2: and I've got to say, too, I feel like you're really the first speaker that I've ever heard to say, you just need to be direct in asking that question, are you considering suicide or is that something that's on your yeah, mind? And yeah. again, I don't, I'm just surprised that this hasn't been mentioned before.
1: Yeah. So I think I've been to a lot of trainings um, because this is what I'm interested in and I feel very passionately about it. And you know, I think when talking about suicide, we often talk to behavioral health care providers and health care providers and um, social workers and that, but we don't necessarily think of people outside of those health care communities. And so bringing it, bringing that conversation that's happening over here and bringing it to the agricultural community is probably the best way we can help them. And the trainings I went to were not, specific I have just turned them into ag-specific things because I know that this is what's happening in our in our state so um, yeah mental health first aid safe talk there's tons of trainings out there that can really help educate you can really give you a baseline knowledge of different mental health disorders you know anxiety and depression are the most common and I mean everybody struggles with those things I think um, so just being able to really talk about them in a way just that's open and you know it's not necessarily comfortable but sort of easy to talk about um i think is really important and will only help everybody in future generations
2: and another subject that's A little bit easier to talk about than perhaps mental health or suicide is the succession planning, what to do with the farm, when it's that right point for the older generation to pass it on to the next generation. And you mentioned, you didn't talk about it too much today, but you just mentioned briefly on dealing with life after the farm for those guys and gals that are finally ready to maybe take a step back from the farm. What's your advice for finding out what's next for that group of people? Plan ahead (laughs) don't wait (laughs)
1: Um, you know have those conversations with your kids if you really think they're coming back to the farm ask them are you coming back what's your what's your plan Um, and then let's start start to work on that plan and how to work you into the business and work you into the fold otherwise you know there could be a lot of bad relationships that happen and really angry conversations that may not have needed to happen, you know. If you start talking about it gradually, as you know, the next generation's in college, or it might be a cousin or a nephew or someone. Maybe they want to be involved in the farm, but just don't be afraid to ask and bring them in, and don't be afraid to plan ahead. Um, I think a lot of farms are farmers are not known for thinking about estate planning mm-hmm. or retiring, yeah. or you know what could they do if they sell the farm or if they have to sell the farm, what could they do?
2: And yeah. I think that's a good a good point too. You know, you don't always get to make that decision. Maybe you have health issues or something happens that changes your trajectory. How do you suggest to farmers about finding their purpose if they have to take a step back from farming? So that's really where our family consultants,
1: again, their magic shines through. You know, they can help a farmer... Well, realize that they're not just a farmer. Farmers are so, so much more. They're, you know, the owner-operator. They're the mechanic. They are the herdsman. They are all these different things, and they show up day in and day out in rain and sleet and snow up to their eyeballs in New York. Um, you know, they show up, and that makes them so, so employable in helping them connect those dots and realizing, oh, I am, I can do this. I don't have to be the farmer farm owner, I can go farm for another person and still get to do that and satisfy that, that need and that desire. Or they may, you know, turn and work for an agri service provider or work for cooperative extension. You know, there's lots of opportunities for farmers and people love hiring them because they're so they're such good employees and they show up and they're not afraid to do the hard work. So it's just, you know, it's uncomfortable because it's different, but don't be afraid to make that change.
2: Oh, fantastic. Well, Kate, before I let you go, share with us for farmers, especially those in New York, how can they find some of the resources that are offered that you've been discussing? Sure. So you can reach FarmNet on our 800 helpline,
1: which is 1-800-547-3276. Or you can find us online at www.nyfarmnet.org. Awesome. Thank
2: Thank you. Well, again, a big thank you there to Kate from New York Farm Net. Really interesting stuff, as I mentioned, working to help that dairy producer feel like they've got other options besides filing bankruptcy or getting out of the farming business.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always great to have options. Keep them in your back pocket, folks. And if it works, you know, let's, let's have New York go out and show other states how to put something like this together. It sounds like it's a great program and something that should be looked at to maybe being replicated around the country.
2: Absolutely, Mike. And speaking of options, we've got a ton of great options when it comes to agricultural podcasts on GlobalAgNetwork.com. Be sure to check us out there, as well as the Ag News Daily podcast there. You can also interact with Global Ag Network and Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for at Global Ag Network and at Ag News Daily. Mike, with that, I'm heading down to San Antonio, so hopefully I'll see some of our listeners there. But should we let the people go?
0: Let's let them go, lady.